Welcome back to Not Alone, a podcast about faith and wellness. We're so glad you're tuning in with us. Today, we're introducing a new topic to the show, toxic positivity. What does it look like when finding the sunny side of things isn't possible or even beneficial to you? To dive into this, here are Michael, Lindsay, and Evan. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another wonderful episode of the Not Alone Podcast, Season 2, the podcast that explores faith and well-being. I'm Evan. I'm I'm Lindsay. (laughs) Got him! (laughs) Keep it. Roll with it. I'm Evan. (laughs) I'm Michael. I'm Michael. (laughs) Oh, y'all. Keep it, keep it, keep it. I'm Evan. Michael. <laughs> I can't do it. I just can't do it. We got it. <laughs> I'm okay, Evan. do we have a plan? No, this is it. This is good. Okay. This is the intro. This is <laughs> this is this is going in this is going in the podcast so that everyone can understand. So, all right. <clears throat> So they can. This is this is how it's. This is the how it's made episode. I'm Evan. I'm Michael. I'm Lindsay. And we have absolutely failed at our new intro format that we wanted to try. I feel feel like we're at this old house episode. (laughs) Perfect. This is what this is what happens when we don't have a script. Yes, but we're so excited to be back here with you for another wonderful episode of the Not Alone podcast. This week, we have a fun new topic that I know absolutely nothing about, and I'm very excited to learn. Ladies and gentlemen, this week's episode is on toxic positivity. It's amazing. So, see, see because I don't know what toxic positivity is. T- tell us about it, Lindsay. What? Yeah, what is it? I love how I'm shaking my head at y'all already going, okay, we're off to a good start of education today. Um, it, the best way to describe it is um, an overgeneralization of being happy and optimistic all the time about the human experience, um, that in all situations, we're always going to be optimistic and happy no matter what. And what, what happens when we do that is that we start denying that there's any other feelings or emotions or any other part of human existence, um, and human experience that, Everything just has to be happy and great, and we have to be hashtag blessed about everything. Okay, I'm going to ask you a question, and I do want to remind you that you are under oath. (laughs) We've been watching a lot of lawyer shows in the pandemic. (laughs) I've always wanted to say that. (laughs) My question is this, Lindsay. Did my friends and family put you up to this? (laughs) Just, Just like always. Uh, just like always, there are other people that are paying me for your free therapy right now. That's right. That's your right. your believed free therapy. Um, you're not paying, but other people are hoping that I will therapize you through all of this. Yes. Is that like a legit verb, therapize? <laughs> it's a made up word. It's got to be. It sounds bad. <laughs> like, like, what's the cause of death? There therapize. are days where I feel like, you know, I sit down and I have a conversation with Emily uh, my wife, who's a licensed marriage and family therapist, and I realized I've been therapized, and I didn't even know it was coming. It's just, you just know. innate to who we are. What can right. I say? That should That's be right. our first piece of merch: is therapized. Like, <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh goodness! So, Lindsay, so- I've definitely, I've definitely both met those people and been that person. Yes, one hundred percent. Without so, even mean, knowing it. Now that you've heard the word, it doesn't feel quite so crazy and foreign. It's it's probably one of those where you go, oh, yeah, that's familiar. Yeah. So my first question is, if, <laughs> at what point does positivity cross the line to be toxic? 
Like, what's the threshold? So there's a, I'm trying to say this in the most loving way. Uh, it is okay to be positive about things in the future um, and hopeful, but when we start uh, negating everybody's sadness or hardships, that's when it has definitely crossed the line. Um, if if somebody We've seen it a lot in the pandemic. Somebody may have lost their job. And instead of instead of going up to them and saying, man, that really sucks. You go, well, you know, at least you have another income in your household. Or at least you have a good degree and somebody will pick you up soon. Okay. It's this entire at least idea that uh doesn't let you actually sit in the feeling it kind of implies get over it because it could be so much worse so you better be happy that it's not worse okay so part of it is not just optimism so being optimistic does not mean you're being toxically positive but it is toxically positive to you use positivity as the deflection yeah, when you start minimizing and invalidating okay. all anything okay. that is not positive. I think one of the phrases that came out during the pandemic, and somebody wrote it on my my coffee cup the other day, faith over fear. Like that's a great to me that sort of summarizes it because it it's 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 the quick leap from from experiencing fear and uncertainty and anxiety to jumping to say, you shouldn't feel any of those things. All you need to have is faith. Now that's, I don't think that's what people are intending to say when they say it and when they write it on your cup. Um, but, but what it can mean for some people is you shouldn't be scared. If you have faith, you shouldn't be scared. If, if you, if you have a family, you shouldn't, you shouldn't be sad that of the things that you don't have. Like you, there's like these, there's this, um, I don't, and I don't even know that it's really necessarily just theological. I think it's something about Americans. We we have these this desire to push past our pain and go right into winning, like you know nine eleven. We don't like di- we don't like discomfort. Yeah, I mean, we're we're, we're scared of it. it. We're, yeah, we don't want to deal with it. We just want to we just want to pick ourselves up and get going. I mean, think about like when something bad happens in our country. Um, there's maybe uh, about an hour of everyone being really sad. And then immediately we're turning it into, look where we're going to go. We're getting out of this. This is, we're coming, you know, which, which all of that is like, that part of it's fine. We have to pick up ourselves. Tragedy happens. But I think the fact that, I think what maybe, I don't, what I picked up, Lindsay, is that maybe we need to first experience a tragedy and say, it's okay to feel scared and sad, devastated, um, and experience those feelings before you start to pick people up. And the natural reaction is it's supposed to be, oh, just, I just lost my spouse. Let me just go on and, you know, like, at least you still got other family members. Yeah. At least you're still alive. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. It's like counting your blessings. Yeah. All of these kind of cliches thrown out there. I think that positivity is fine and helpful a lot of times, but where it becomes toxic is when we stop, this is going to be, go back to my favorite phrase. When we stop being able to hold two feelings at once, I know heaven forbid, I threw it in again. (laughs) When we, when we stop being able to hold two feelings at once and anything that is non-positive we say, go away. You know, you have no place for being here. We can only be peppy. Um, have you seen any of those uh, like signs or things like that that say good vibes only and all that kind of catchy stuff that I don't I don't want to only have people around that are good vibes only. I want to have uh, people that are allowed to sit in the yuck with me 
Um, maybe it should say good vibes and yucky vibes too. Mm. <laughs> maybe it should. It's not nearly as cool, but maybe it should say faith in the midst of fear. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, it's it, 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 it's it's those things can't. Both things do exist: optimism and rebuilding, and anguish and fear. Like those those things can coexist. And at, at one point, you you know, any any person moves on that spectrum between those places. Because um, toxic positivity is uh, is not authentic to our human character. That we're we weren't created to be happy every moment of every day. Um, God gave us a range of feelings. And I think that we should be experiencing and living into those feelings. What none of you listening can see is the two of them. It just gave me the most ugly face when I said <laughs> that God gave us feelings and it is okay to not be happy all the time. Progress only. that's where we go it seems like that maybe if the only thing that we turn to is bumper sticker and like live laugh love artwork in our house for emotional inspiration that that is not the way to encourage someone all the time like if it if it's a bumper sticker or we use these mantras to get through these moments but it seems like when the mantra becomes a replacement for actual healing and progress that's when we might have crossed the line and i want to use some examples Uh, i like to buy gas station stickers so when i go on road trips and things like that when you go look at gas stations you'll find these racks of bumper stickers and stickers that you can put on your car and depending on where you are in the United States, you get some really, really interesting things that come up on these bumper stickers. Michael is so afraid. <laughs> I have never seen that. This is. You haven't I seen just... these racks before in the gas stations? No, not. Of, I would like... say I would say let's take a road trip, but we can't all be in the yeah. same car together so uh, for a while until I... COVID is over. You know, we can all be in close spaces together again. Right. It's things like, you know, like my co- my border collie is smarter than your honor student. You know, mm. like there's yeah, I, I know bumper stickers. I just <laughs> know what they, <laughs> Oh, do you? I just he I didn't realize they exist. I didn't, didn't realize there was this, a thing, this the thing that you collect bumper stickers from a gas station. That what? that so, is news to me. Here's but three go ahead. Continue, please. I don't okay, want to. Here's here's one. I'm going to show you. This one says trespassers will be killed. And it has a picture of a skull. Is that a scripture reference at the bottom? This one says, steal this truck. <laughs> I guess you put on arrival truck members. Like, or on like, yours if you want the insurance money and it's near its death. That's right. Yeah, now this, yeah this, this, this sticker is just interesting. Here's my favorite, which I think probably encapsulates why sticker-type ideologies aren't a healing mechanism, is this. I'm out of estrogen and I have a gun. <laughs> With a, what you don't see is a lovely a flattened a rose. Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs> like that's that's not comforting. Like this isn't helpful. What does this even mean? I don't understand. I don't even know I, what it means. <laughs> and I think when we apply that kind of like, I, I'm looking for something because I want to cheer somebody up, or I need to like, we need positivity right now. We turn to these phrases that often get abused to be toxically positive. Like for example. I know you've just experienced loss of a job, and I want you to know I'm out of estrogen and I have a gun. <laughs> it's comforting. Yeah, I, I think it goes back to that episode uh, last year where we where we talked about grief and we didn't know what to what to say to people. Um, we don't have a lot of practice engaging someone who is feeling scared. Yes. Particularly adults. I mean, we're we're fine probably engaging kids who are scared. That it's acceptable for kids to be scared, but we probably would think it's probably not appropriate for an adult to be scared. And so we have not spent much time with someone who's lost their job and is a single parent and is legitimately scared. And so the what we reach for in those moments are those phrases like faith over fear, or at least you've got your family, or at least you, you're not alone. You've got us. Um, those kinds of whatever we can try to grab at to try to provide a bomb for someone who's hurting because we're, we're uncomfortable with the hurt itself. Then it, it just, 
creates a scenario where we're trying to, we, in essence, we're telling them, you need to suck it up, buttercup, and keep going. And, and that, that de- de- delegitimizes their feelings and what they're going through. Yeah, just because we're uncomfortable in the heart doesn't mean that we need to invalidate their somebody else's feelings of sadness or fear or anger. That, that we just, our lack of control and uncertainty about the future, we start uh, trying to lash out and kind of impact everybody around us. Uh, because if they show their true authentic self, what does that mean for us? It means that we too have to admit that we don't have as much control of the world around us and we too might have sad moments. So I want to share a little bit about some signs uh, of toxic positivity. Things you might common common expressions or experiences so that you can see how it shows up in some of our everyday lives. So hiding or masking your true feelings is a big sign of toxic positivity. Like I couldn't share that I'm sad about that. I need to make sure that the world knows that I have it all together. Um, I think it's important just because you, I think we've talked mostly about people being toxically positive towards us, but I think that's an important point that a lot of times the toxic positivity is an internal thing, not an external. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's a really good point that um, it can be other people, but it can also be the way that we see our own feelings and how we feel like we should respond to things. It'd be really great if we could stop talking about this. I, I love how many episodes uh, we do that you know the topic in advance, and yet by halfway through the episode, you still feel personally attacked, like we planned this to talk about you and your own feelings. Yeah, so my my role in life is to turn everything that anyone else deals with into something about me so that I can become the center of attention. So not Right, because you're a millennial. yes. And yes, millennials please. are all pack it on just about me. Right. So for the, I, I worry uh, that is totally not true. That is a generalization about a people group that is totally and utterly not true of everyone in it. So I take that statement back. It was just, a, that was a joke. You're not, but you're, I, I, I relate to that coping mechanism quite a bit because I like positivity. I am a positive person and I find value in being the positive voice in a group. And so when things are disharmonious or not correct, I like to provide positivity. And I will even distract from painful situations with like slapstick comedy. Like, yeah, it'd probably be funny if I just ran into a wall to break the tension. If, and I don't like sitting in uncomfortable scenarios. Okay, so let's pause for a moment for real therapeutic question that you don't have to answer, Evan, but I think that you gave a great example of it. Uh, what feels so uncomfortable about somebody's feelings that then in that moment, there's need to distract And again, I'm not asking you to answer this on the spot in the middle of the podcast right now, but no, I think I think that you That's gave do the podcast. I think that you gave set up in a great way of what I really would say in a counseling session that to, to push back of say what felt so uncomfortable that you were unable to sit in that moment of tension. I think it's because I'd rather be distracted than feel pain. And my guess is that a lot of people listening feel the same way. Because we haven't been taught how to feel pain well. That it feels scary. We're afraid that if we start feeling pain, we may never stop feeling pain. That uh, it might overwhelm us too much. And so instead of saying, I, I can look back on times in my past where I have probably experienced pain and made it through, 
I'm not going to be utterly consumed by it. It's going to be uncomfortable, but we can step into it and step out of it a little bit at a time as we keep pushing through the discomfort. Hmm. I'm, I'm not unlike you, Evan. I don't like experiencing it either. It's my different, my go-to mechanism though, is to fix it. So it's not about being funny or distracting or look like humor in the same way. It's about, I actually get to business and I start working problem solving and ideas to fix it. So, I mean, it like just last night, Ellie, my daughter, I don't know how she managed to hurt her finger with a picture frame. I don't, I don't know. It's always around bedtime. Something happens, There's a lot of you know, and, and I, my natural fatherly instinct, uh, my response to that, the Michael McCord response to that was, let me, let me take a look at it. Let me make sure it's not hurt. All right. Here's what we should do to keep this from happening again. And all Ellie wanted me to do was to come up and say, Oh, I'm so sorry. Are you okay? And give her a hug and a kiss. And that's, and just to feel her pain for just a second. That's all she wanted. Mm -hmm. Um, But, but I didn't want to I, that's not my go-to. My go-to is let's fix it. Let's come up with a scenario. This doesn't happen again. And let's just make sure you're not really hurt. Um, and I think, you know, that's, that's my own mechanism for avoiding pain. So we started talking about this by going through some of the signs. So I want to share a few more signs of toxic positivity. Yes. Like, like I said, the first one was hiding and masking your true feelings. The next one uh, trying to just get on with it or just keep going by stuffing or dismissing the emotions. The next one is one that might really resonate, uh, with a lot of us feeling guilty for feeling what you feel. Like I, I shouldn't be angry about this. I shouldn't be disappointed about feeling that. I mean, how many times does your internal monologue uh, dismissed your own feelings mm. and said, you may think you're feeling that, but that's not what we feel in the world or there's no need to feel that way. So let's move on. Yeah. Shouldn't the word shouldn't mm-hmm. in your emotional feelings, probably that's, that's a trigger. I think that should be an alarm. If you start saying the word shouldn't, um, uh, about something you're feeling, that's probably a sign that maybe you need to pay a little bit more attention. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this one's tricky because I think a lot of the way that I have thought about emotions growing up is that the damage that can be done through leaning into emotions and not understanding how to control them is so much greater. Now, I'm not saying this is true. I'm just, this is the... That's how you were raised and your understanding yeah, and, of it. And not really, I don't really think it wasn't even treated that way necessarily in my home. It's just, this is just how I am, I think. To, okay. So not to, not to ascribe any, and when I, don't I want say to use the word blame, but you know what I'm saying? Like, this yeah. Is and not, when I say raised, I often think like we have cultural influences in us, not yeah, just, just family members saying these things. It's like, we have this cultural understanding that this is how we operate. Yeah, so now that I've given my family a nice caveat opt-out that this is not, (laughs) I am not anyone's fault. (laughs) Evan's parents, thank you for the gift of Evan to this world because you did a great job, even if he's blaming you right now for this particular. We value you. (laughs) We are grateful for you. Now that we understand. (laughs) Uh, Is that... To, to to manage the consequences, you know, the negative consequences of emotions are of the actions that we take based on emotions. Like the, the actions that we think are valid when we're in a highly emotional state can be very dangerous. You see, you say things that you don't mean. People take actions they don't mean. I mean, in the world in general, when someone feels intense emotions, we take actions that are insane. Like, I mean, people do crazy things because that's, that's an action as a result of our feeling, though, is so that I, 
combined the two in okay. my brain. Mm-hmm. And so when I think about emotions, I'm like, well, it's more important to manage the consequences of actions we feel like are valid in emotions. So I need to make sure that I err on that side, and then I'll just bottle it up and figure it all out later. Hmm. I just need it, to it's... avoid not lashing out, that kind of stuff. It's like uh, Incredible Hulk is an archetype of of emotion and how how we deal with emotion because yeah. because for for the hulk when when anger the primary emotion that men will acknowledge they experience um gets too much he turns into this raging monster you know that's uncontrollable and and so when you teach your children uh from very early age those kinds of tropes those kind of story narratives that emotion creates a monster and so you need to avoid emotion so you don't hurt all the people around you yeah everybody always says hulk smash not hulk sad right <laughs> like that, that's right that doesn't sell a lot of movie tickets for the Avengers. It's, it's not the same it's just not <laughs> hey, the same hey you want to go you want to go to the movie and see hulk sad it's like no you want to see him smash that's what he does Oh, goodness. And I think, you know, I don't want to get too deep into the Hulk reference because I'll take it way too far. But yeah, I mean, I just, I was just, I think that is symbolic, at least, of some of the things that I came up, at least I, I can speak as a male uh, of, of the 80s and 90s, you know, that we're, we're just com- sort of been taught not to embrace emotion. And, and then I think there's also supplemental to that is that we're supposed to lead in crisis that we're, that's what boys are supposed to do. Um, it's like when my, my dad died, I, all of a sudden my 13 year old self was going to be the man of the house, right? Our job is just to pick it up and, and lead. Um, you know, and so I think, I think you do that for a long time as you're in your most formative years. And when you get to be an adult, you just practice what you've learned. Yeah, what I'm emotion. sad today, but I need Me. I have a lot to do, so I can't be sad today. That's right. I think maybe a lot tomorrow of us probably deal with that. I there I will be able to be sad when I get past this point, and we just kind of put one foot in front of the other. And so what I'm hearing you say is that that in a way is a sense of toxic positivity in our internal. In some ways, yes, I think that um, we do sometimes it logistically have to classify that, like. If there's too much happening today and a loved one of mine died yesterday, I might say, I cannot really spend time to think about this till tomorrow. I don't think that's toxic positivity because it's making a conscious choice about not saying it's not okay to be sad. Um, It's saying uh, kind of compartmentalizing and being realistic of deadlines, maybe of something. There's a difference between, let's say a loved one has died and six months later, you're still really sad about it. And you say to yourself, that was six months ago. I shouldn't be sad anymore. I shouldn't be sad anymore. I mean, it's been a while and, um, or it shouldn't affect me that greatly uh, because I didn't see them every day in my life anyway. And so uh, it's not, it doesn't impact my everyday life. So it shouldn't make me that sad. Hmm. Um, I agree that it's the should word that comes in there all the time. Mm-hmm. Evan, you're thinking hard. I'm just thinking about how this information should be looked at when it comes to faith as well. Let me give you a few more signs. No more signs. It hurts. <laughs> Let, <laughs> I can see you're avoiding it. You're like, I don't want any more evidence that I'm doing this. <laughs> Lindsay, you give us some more signs and let us interrupt you along the way. Uh, that's going to happen anyways. Goodness. The next one, minimizing other people's experiences with feel-good quotes or statements. Mm. 
Faith over fear, Lindsay. Oh my goodness. Trying to give someone perspective, saying things like it could be worse instead of validating their emotional experience. Sure, you lost your child, but you could have lost them both. Yeah, at least you still have one. At least you still have one. Oh my goodness. These Um, are phrases I've actually heard. So I, yes, I mean, I'm laughing because of how painful uh, some of those statements to avoid discomfort yourself the pain that they cause in other people, uh, shaming or chastising others for expressing frustration or anything other than positivity. And then, uh, the last one brushing off things that are bothering you with ready for it for an, it is what it is phrase. That one, Evan is like practically crawling under his desk. That one we hear almost more than anything. Uh, it is what it is. Like we better just accept it and suck it up and move on. Um, I should say that uh, all of these, uh, these, uh, how many were there? Seven signs of toxic pos- positivity. Um, I got from a great article called toxic positivity, the dark side of positive vibes that, uh, I thought it was written so succinctly. Evan is not coming back to this conversation after my, it is, it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> you know, it's down here. It is what it is. <laughs> I'm doing the rest of the podcast from the floor. <laughs> The puddle that is Evan on the floor as he's trying to crawl into the floor. Oh, I still here. <laughs> it's <laughs> it. It's so. So what do we do with challenging? It? It's so challenging to feel this way. Um, to feel discomfort, we just like to run from it or fix it and act like we should be beyond it and everything should be better. It is a load of crap that we are talking about this one year into a global pandemic where this has been the one girder that has carried me through. Oh, goodness. I, um, I think it's important, though. I mean, it really is like it's. Yeah, to force this positive outlook uh, on everything just really negates anybody's experiences. And I'm going to say something super cliche. It's okay to not be okay. I also think it's so neat. God, I feel like I'm about to be toxically positive. Back, I was just say you might be. <laughs> it's, it's neat to me that we have so many wonderful, intelligent, capable people to think and have the time in society to be able to examine these things and say, you know what, like maybe we do need to deal with our mental state when it comes to positivity, and we need to cut ourselves a break. And it's. I'm grateful that there are folks who are able to identify that because this, I think this has the risk of getting lumped into like the woke culture stuff where when you have folks who, we know what I'm talking about, right? Like the, like just the woke statements no, that we all have to have. Tell us a little bit about what you mean by that. There is, I will say in my experience there is a tendency to have to make broad sweeping generalizations about society and other struggles so that everything is always some kind of competition to be the most socially aware that happens very very frequently Um, it is not it is important i think to recognize when things aren't right in society but i also think it's extremely unhelpful for everything to be a woke whataboutism, right? And I think that this gets used a lot. So someone else has a great 
problem. There's something systemically wrong with our society. Yes, that statement is true, but you bringing it up right now is not helpful, right? Like that, that happens very frequently. It happens a lot in online discourse. And I think mm -hmm. we see that a lot of the time. And I think that it's very easy to rope something like this. Like, what's wrong with being positive? I think, you know, society's gone too far if we're thinking about how positivity can be negative because there's people who are hungry and like we should be more worried about people's physical, you know, if somebody hasn't eaten, then we can't look at toxic positivity. Like it's a gross overreaction and distraction from the real issues and challenges that society is dealing with. Like that would be like a woke statement. And it, it, there's a bubble that I think you're in, but in, but you, I mean me. But I think this is really important that it doesn't get lumped in with some kind of thing that, well, we don't have to worry about where our food's coming from, so now we can overthink how positive we're being. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're not hunter-gatherers anymore, so we're wasting our time thinking about how positive we are. Mm. And I think this is really valid because it completely diminishes and demeans personal experience, and it's something that really exists inside a lot of us. And to just throw it out because it's too academic or high-minded, which is what happens with a lot of this well-being and mental health stuff, um, is that it just gets tossed because it's it's not seen as a direct correlation with like productivity. So we needs to be jettisoned because it's not a side hustle. It can't make you money. So go ahead, Michael. Well, I think. Let me see if I understand what you're saying, because I, I was going to pose this uh, to Lindsay as as help me help me see if this makes sense. Like one of the things that I really value about you, Evan, is your innate ability, your God given gift to see what could be and mm -hmm. and to and to create joy in scenarios genuinely in scenarios that may not otherwise have joy. I think that, I think that's your spiritual gift. I don't think it's a, but with all gifts come burdens too, right? I mean, cause you can use a gift for good or you can, you can let it overwhelm you. For me, like I think in our trifecta here, um, I am a problem solver. I'm an ideator, a creator of things. And, and that comes on with, it's a double-edged sword. I can create lots of things but sometimes when I create things, I hurt other people because they see my creation as a critique of them. I have to be aware of that. Lindsay slows us down and makes us think about how we feel and what we're feeling and what we're thinking and what, how we got there. And, and I think so, so in this little microcosm of just the three of us sitting here, we form a community and we're able to mm -hmm. use those resources and, and I can, I can dip into Lindsay's reservoir of emotion and understanding. I could dip into your positivity bucket. You could come to me with solutions so I can fix your Zoom call, Lindsay, and I'll I'll feel really good about that. Um, you did save the you know. day the other day. <laughs> <laughs> the you know, and so I guess what what I'm trying to say is that that Evan, you have a role in society. You're you have a, a, a very important role. And I know some people who are very emotive, like they just feel everything and they feel it mm -hmm. deep to their core. They have a role in society. Perhaps maybe what, what is toxic is when we don't, when, when we think our role is the only role hmm. and, and that the other roles don't complement us. And so if you're toxically, you know, positive is that you think the whole world has to be positive all the time. Uh, and that someone who feels emotion and wants to sit in sackcloth and, and just hurt you, they either, either you see them or they feel like you see them as less or not right. That, yeah. I mean, the sackcloth is a bit far. We don't have to all be, Hey, uh, super I'm miserable all, in sackcloth, but I'm maybe that's how you uh, emote and feel, I'm Michael. I'm it up right now to see <laughs> if you can buy That is what I do. I, you know, I, I, I fix, I fix, I fix until I can't fix it. And then I just sit in a bag of sackcloth. And... Evan, I really think that the quality that you bring to the table of finding 
joy in really dark moments, uh, even when other people have a hard time seeing it, doesn't necessarily mean that you are going about spewing toxic positivity. And like Michael said, I think that if you can, if you come to somebody that is in a hard or dark moment and you sit down with them in that moment without jumping to the, you know, first walking up and saying, get up. I mean, the sun's out. We better get, find the joy in today. Uh, If you sit down and join them in that difficult moment and then say, we can be sad and we can see beauty in this moment. That's different. That means that you're not negating their sadness. You're meeting them in it and adding this other moment of hope. I don't think toxic positivity means that we cannot be hopeful. I I totally agree. I think the what I love about being able to have long form conversation ar- around this is that you get to talk around it and kind of feel where the edges are. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like when you like you know, when you move something. Like we we've, we've moved recently and helped some friends move and. You know, when you go to pick up like a weird piece of furniture and you kind of walk up to it with a friend and you look at it and you're like, okay, how are we going to pick this up? Right? Like, it's like, okay, can I find like the edge where I could get a grip? Like, what am I, what am I doing to get this, to lift this and to pick it up, to understand it and to move it to a different place? Like, what is it attached to? Until you pick something up, you don't know what all mm-hmm. is involved. That's why I love that we're able to do that. And I think it's the same thing with positivity, you know, like what, what is, what is the line that it crosses over to toxic positivity? I think it completely depends on the scenario and the individuals involved. I I do have good news. There is an entire section on Etsy of sackcloth and you can, you can buy it. There's a lot of options. Uh, Future merch. You know, you, you all can make fun of me about this, but I actually think that, those kinds of like ritualistic traditions and in, in our in in scripture are really important. How we sacramentalize. So I think for some people to just go sit in sackcloth or or your modern day version of that and and have it out, like you, you know, I know some people they have like a, a closet they like to go to um, when they're when they're upset or they're sad or they're you know, and just a place that you can like it's okay to feel emotion in this room. Uh, or in this place, or in this way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean, we probably all have. I, we, that is probably true. I I put my comfy on, my house shoes. I, I do think that ritual, some sort of ritual activity, helps ground us when, especially when we can't find the words to describe our feelings and emotions. Sometimes we need those rituals uh, to help give us a grounding place to be able to channel those feelings and those emotions. Yeah, I mean, I think Ecclesiastes probably sums that up well from a faith perspective, right? At the chapter, what is it? I'll look it up, chapter three, yeah. There's a time to weep, a time to laugh, a time mm-hmm. to mourn, a time to dance. Like, that, like I think that that should very clearly illustrate to us that God says they're all valid and there is a time for all of them. And when you you'll know when you're doing the wrong thing in the wrong time. It like we have been given a soul and ability to reason. So it becomes apparent to us either through community, through the Holy spirit, through conviction uh, when we're in and about these different times and seasons. And when we're trying to use the, the, when we're trying to force the wrong emotion and timing into different situations. And sometimes that happens when you, sometimes you fill that out by we say something or, take a stance internally that isn't the correct one. You know what I mean? Like you, you're like, okay, it's a time to mourn. All right, great time. Now I'm going to, no, everything's a time to laugh. It's a time to dance, you know? Uh, and so we try and squeeze and shoehorn different things into our feelings and situations and relationships. It's exhausting. Yeah. And I, I'm so glad we're talking about this topic because a year into this 
weird pandemic life. And we are reminded now more than ever how little control we have and how much uncertainty there is in the world around us. And I have seen toxic positivity popping up more than ever as people are trying to respond to the uncertainty of the world around us by uh, being overly optimistic or trying to be positive to avoid the painful reality that we're living in. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh goodness. You just Uh, ever, you just kind of fit that. It just was like, this is it. I don't, I don't think we need to. I know both of you were just like, I guess we'll just sit in that. That ended it. Okay. And wrapped it all up. Um, or at least left us thinking for a while. <laughs> As I'm thinking about takeaways from the conversation, what I am thinking about is how this is not just one more thing that I have to work on. A lot of the time when we discuss things or I read articles on mental health or wellness and well-being and uh, all the different subcategories, I think to myself, my laundry list of things that I don't do right just got longer. You know, <laughs> like, and, and that's and that's not the point. You know, like that's not the point. That's the avoidance of that doesn't help us get better. It doesn't help us be well. And it's like, it's why I like the, the topic well-being. It's a constant process. It's active. It's, it's that sanctification, the shedding of old things, the, the building of new things, the pruning. I think scripture talks a lot about pruning. That like, if God loves us, he's going to prune us because there's things that had purpose before for seasons of our life that maybe need to be pruned away so new things can grow. And that, that's not toxically positive, but it is progress-minded. And I think that the Christian faith is progress-oriented. We are, we are to grow as we live life. And time moves at a rate that we cannot control, that I know of. So if that's just different for either one of you, let me know. But time is going to pass, and forces are going to exert themselves upon us, and... This is not just one more thing to add to the list of things that we should do or do wrong, but that this is a means to equip ourselves to live life well and to function and engage with well-being and faith. And live a life of authenticity where we don't have to be peppy and happy all the time. Yeah, authentic. That's a challenging <laughs> that's a challenging word. What does it look like to have that feeling and experience of authenticity in our lives. And maybe, maybe the easier or harder word is how do we be vulnerable with ourselves and those we love? Uh, And being vulnerable requires us to not be chronically positive at every moment. Yeah, maybe maybe you just we have a an additional question that we can ask ourselves um, in those moments of where we sense that we're sort of moving to that. Po- what I think you asked it, you could probably ask it better than I can remember to try to ask it. But what what's happening in this moment that's moving that that I feel like I have to move from fear into positivity, or or from sadness and to positivity like what in that moment is really i think and this is one of the things again i i, I said about you Lindsay, is that you've helped me think of slow down hmm. in in experience things um and to understand that other people are experiencing things and so i think coming out of this the most valuable thing we can all do is just to slow down a little bit and mm-hmm. and to recognize that we all, all experience life the same way and that we should grant each other a little bit of space to, to feel what they're feeling. And then also recognize in yourself what your gifts are. You know, I, Evan's positivity plays an important role. I know people who have bad days and want to reach out to Evan because they're going to help, help them cope with that by giving them something to do or think or laugh about that. That's a, that's a gift. And so just using your gift wisely and, and aware and aware that that awareness of that gift too. Um, 
helps you understand how it interacts with other people. So I, I, I think that's the best we can do is maybe just to slow down and, and start to appreciate people more. And I love the way the holding two things in tension at the same time is a fun one for me here because you can be afraid and positive at the same time. Mm -hmm. That positivity is not a replacement to shove out our other states of being, but that it is more like an adjective. So they're not mutually exclusive. No, Sadness and joy. <laughs> oh, so that's a you great... can hold two feelings at once. Maybe even more than two feelings. Maybe even more. I mean, that is asking a lot for people. I, I want everybody's takeaway today to, I want you to hear that we're not anti-positivity, but we are talking about when positivity shifts into a place where there is no space for any other thoughts or feelings. And that is when it becomes toxic. I love it. I think that is that is a perfect summation of the challenging situation that we've talked about. This has been a fun one. Not that the other ones aren't fun as well, but and next week we'll look a little bit more at the theological um, interpretations of positivity and how that how Christianity has really taken on this role of positivity um, for some for some people in some areas, and how that has maybe fed our cycle of positivity that has become toxic for some people. I love it. Well, thank you, Lindsay, Michael. Thanks. Thanks to Justin for producing this episode and doing all of our music and figuring out all of everything <laughs> for us and helping guide and shape us. Justin, we really appreciate you. Thank you for everyone who has rated the podcast and has listened. Uh, we'll just really appreciate it. Appreciate all the feedback as always. And we're really enjoying the format here for season two. So thank you for listening and, and, and sticking through. Uh, we really do uh, appreciate it. And uh, this has been uh, a fun one and enjoyable. And we're looking forward to talking with you next episode. Thanks everyone. <laughs>